All right, we're beginning now. Um, I should mention that for the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue on Zoom because of the um, uh, government restrictions, even though we were hopeful to start in the shul again. But, um, you know, it's going to be at least a couple more months of lockdown for South Brooklyn. So we'll be uh, continuing over Zoom. If anybody on the recording wants to join us, it's 8.30 p.m. Tuesday nights. The meeting ID is 578-272-0139. Again, 578-272-0139. We do this on Tuesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Just so that should be on the recording. Okay. Now, we are continuing now in the Shiran Tefillah. We got through much of the um, morning shachrit already. And we introduced, before the Chag, before we took a pause, we introduced the concept of Kriyata Torah. And we discussed the history, when it was instituted, uh, by whom. We discussed how it's not properly exactly liturgy, but it is a ritual which has been a part of the liturgy for a long time. And we looked at most of the liturgical elements of it, most of the parts of it which are tefillah, such as the pesukim that we say, the brich shemei, and things like that. Again, we're going to avoid um, the a deep dive into the halachot, such as glila, or the olim, or the hagba'ah. We're going to you know, avoid a deep dive into all the halacha, which is relevant to Kriyat Torah, because that would take us a very long time, and it's really not a study of tefillah. So we chose to um, focus mostly on the liturgical elements of Kriyat Torah. Now, last week we began, we began with the opening of the Sefer Torah, the opening of the Aron Kodesh, and the removal of the Sefer Torah with Gadul HaShemiti, and Ashkenazim Seibrich Shimei, and we discussed how Many of those pesukim come from the the pesukim which were chosen to say come from the earliest sources of the sidur, uh, namely Masechet Sofrim, which has a lot of discussion about Kriyat Torah, as well as um, the Seder of Amram. And there are many, many different pesukim which are said in in most of the early sources. And what ended up happening was that different sects, uh, different areas of Judaism chose different pesukim and different uh, sidurim stuck with different habits and different patterns. It is likely, I forgot to mention this last time, but it's also likely that melody played a major role in which pesukim became the most popular. We see it today, the, the, the pesukim which have the best songs, in general people memorize the best and generation from generation get preserved. So it is possible that that also played a part as to which pesukim were preserved by each. But there is more to it than that, and, and we'll see as much as we can. It's impossible to do a, a, uh, an exhaustive comparison of every single different sidur throughout the ages of all the different minhagim because they, they vary greatly as to how many pesukim to include, which ones to include, um, and which tefillot to say. So we're going to try to stick to interpret and to comment on the ones that are in the present Sidurim, um, or the ones that have survived into the present Sidurim. So the Svaradi versions, we're going to have to finish up here. The uh, we're, we're at, Right now we're at the point where, we're up to the point where the Chazan's about to read the Sefer Torah. 
And in the Svaradi um, Sidurim, there's really not much here, if at all. Generally, we just say Kohen Kerav. We say the introduction for the Kohen, uh, who should, you know, there's a halacha, which is that the, a person has to be called up to the Sefer Torah before he, before he uh, approaches the Sefer Torah. Um, the Moroccans will say Al Hakol, um, but generally most Svaradim don't say very much before, besides Vizotu Torah and Torah Tzivalan Moshe, before the Birchot Torah. The Ashkenazim, however, say a little bit more. And if you look in the Ashkenaz Sidurim, or you attend the Ashkenaz Minyan, what you're going to find is a tefillah called Avarachamim, Huirachim Al Am Amusim. And I struggled today to actually find the Makar for this tefillah because it's not in any of the early texts. It's not in the Masechet Sofrim, it's not in the Seder of Amram, it's not in the Sidur of Sadia. I could not find it in the Machsar Bitri either. The first place I found it um, was in the Sidur of the Rokeach, and he mentions it basically verbatim, which is Avarachamim Huirachim Am Amusim. He should have mercy on his uh, nation, which he. Um, Basically, fathered, and he should save us from the evil times. It's basically a short poem, a short tefillah to have mercy on Kla Yisrael. And I don't, the, 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 um, Rokeach gives a simple verse by, you know, commentary about what it means, and he elaborates a little bit, but there's really, um, I could not find another source which mentioned this until the Ramah in uh, Kufla Medalid. The Ramah mentions that the, the Minhag in Ashkenaz is to say this, uh, what's the word, this tefillah. I also found it in a Sidur from 1471, in Ashkenazi but, um, it's But it's again a short poem, a short piyut, and it's unique to the Ashkenaz Minhag for the past probably 800 years. But it does not appear in the typical... Uh, Babylonian sources, the typical uh, Sidur sources before that. Okay, now the Ashkenazim will start, or will also say, um, You shall make yourself revealed. Right, this is before they, they say before they say before they say the Berchot Torah. And then they say, uh, Why do they say that last pasuk? From Devarim. They say this pasuk because you are all alive, and we say that the Torah is our life. Therefore, we are reiterating that Hashem is going to give us our life. Now, Vitigala Vitera'e is actually sourced way earlier in the, um, in the Masechet Sofrim, and this is a, a Braita. And the Moroccan Minhag is to say the full thing, which is Al Hakol. Because the full Tefillah is Al Hakol, which is basically a. The Ashkenazim say this on Shabbat as well. Al Hakol is basically a Hebrew version of the Kaddish. It's very, very similar to the Kaddish. It says, Al hakol yitkadal v'yitkadesh yitbarach yitromam v'yitnasei shemoshe melech malachim rachim kodesh baruchu. Forgive me if I don't translate because it's very similar to the Kaddish. It's in Mesech Sofim Yud Dalet Hei. Be'olamot she'barach ha'olam hazir ha'olam abba kirtzono kirtzoni yiriyah v'chirtzono kamal be'israel 
That's, that's the Merakim Minhag on, on the weekday, also on Shabbat. The Ashkenazim do this, and they just say they do it as short as possible. Um, okay, so that's so much for the source of Tigal It comes all the way back from Masechat Sofrim. Um, okay, so now we approach the section about, we approach the section here about the Berchot Torah, the, the Berchot Torah, the Berchot which the Olim, the people who get up to the Sefer Torah, say. So the first thing that an Ole will say when he gets up to the Torah is Baruch Hu Hashem and the Kahal responds Baruch Hashem Mavorach Olam Ve'ed. So yes, this is sourced in Masechet Sofrim. It does instruct a person to do this, but it doesn't actually say why. So if you look in the Tshuvot HaRavan, Ayin Gimel, the Ravan says, I think he said he asked his brother why. I might be confusing this with the Tshuvah from the Raviyah. But basically he says, why do we say Baruch Hu before Kriyat Torah? He says, it's very simple. Whenever the Shliach Tzibor is about to be Motzi the Rabim, whenever the person getting up to the Teva is about to be Motzi everybody, and every word he is about to speak is about to fulfill the obligation for the Tzibor, we say Baruch Hu Hashem HaMivorach. Prime examples of this are Yotzer Or. Originally, the Minhag was for the, the Brachot of Kriyat Shema, that the Chazan alone would read the entire Brachot of, of Kriyat Shema, and everyone would have a mind to be Yotzeh. So he would begin Yotzer Or with Baruch Hashem Amvorach, bless Hashem who is blessed, meaning he's telling the Kahal to have in mind to be Yotzeh, that they are blessing Hashem, and they respond, Baruch Hashem Amvorach Lolamed, blesses Hashem the blessed forever and ever. With this, we do the same thing by Zimun. We also we say, and everybody replies, because originally in the time of the Gemara, people would, one person would say the entire Bikat uh, and everybody would listen. Now, this doesn't explain, actually, why the Oleh repeats Baruch Hashem Avarach Lolam Ba'ed. So the earliest Makar for this is Reb Sadia Gaon. Reb Sadia Gaon instructs the Oleh to repeat Baruch Hashem Avarach Lolam Ba'ed. Why? Because when the when the Ole says Baruch Hu et Hashem Hamivorach, he's instructing in the second person imperative. He's telling the the other people, commanding them to bless Hashem. However, that could sound like he's excluding himself from the blessing. Therefore, he should re- he should repeat Baruch Hashem Hamivorach Olam Ba'ed, as if um, he is including himself in the blessing. So, some of the post scheme. Um, some of the post scheme say that because you said Hamivorach, it's not as if, oh, as long as you said Hamivorach, it's not as if you, um, what's the mm-hmm. word? Who is blessed? It's as if you're re including yourself, and therefore you don't have to repeat Baruch Hashem Vorach Lolambed. Instead, you, while, I'm trying, sorry, trying to focus here, we have a crying baby. So, the Chazan says, Baruch meaning at the end of the Pasuk, he says, who is blessed. That, according to other poskim, is enough to be inclu- re-including himself in the blessing, and he doesn't have to repeat, Baruch Okay. So, and the, if you look in the Seder of Amram or the Rambam, they don't say to repeat. They don't say that after the Kahal says, Baruch that you should repeat. Okay, but the Minhag is, uh, for most people, to repeat, Baruch now, we've spoken a little bit about Baruch Hu before. We said that 
Um, we spoke about, before Yotzar Or, we spoke about the greatness of Baruch Hu and why it's important. We spoke about, uh, if I remember correctly, the Zohar, about, you know, the Chelek of the Neshama and all the important things about why Baruch Hu is so powerful. But there's one thing I found this time, which I thought was interesting, which is worth sharing. One of the Midrashim, there's a Midrash regarding Rabbi Akiva, which is... There's a midrash with, with Rabbi Akiva, which is actually pretty famous because it's well known regarding Kaddish. And in the the minhag today is that people will say Kaddish for a parent, for somebody they lost. And the reason for this comes from a midrash, which is famously about Rabbi Akiva. And it's not really well sourced. It's not for, it's not clearly in any midrash. It comes from a couple of like fringe midrashim. And there's many different versions of it. But the story goes that Akiva was walking on the way, which generally means a meditation, and, and he, and he um, encountered an individual who was walking carrying a, a camel, which on the back of the camel had a very large burden of wood. And the person's face was blackened and ugly, and Rabbi Akiva um, said, what are you? Are you a human? Are you a shade? Are you a demon? What is this that you're carrying? So the person said, I used to be of this world. I used to be... I used to live on planet Earth, but then I died. I was a tax collector. I was very evil. And this is what they do to me in Shemayim. They burn me. They make me haul all this wood every day, and then they burn me with the wood. So Rabbi Akiva said, how could I... Um, I'm, he said, Rabbi Akiva took it upon himself to, fi- to, to find atonement for this person. So Rabbi Akiva went to the... found the city where this person lived, and he asked the townspeople about this person, and as soon as he would say the person's name, that spit on the floor. He said, Asha, Hashem Rishayim Yerkav. Um, and then he found the person's wife. Fin- finally, they directed him to the person's wife, and he asked if he had a son. Um, he did have a son, but the son didn't know anything. The son was, was, didn't even have a Brit Milah. The son didn't, have, uh, didn't know how to read. So Akiva took him under his wing. He gave him a Brit Milah. He taught him how to learn Torah. And... According to one version of the Midr- according to the famous or popular version of the midrash, Rabbi Akiva educated him educated him enough until he was able to say kaddish, in as a merit for his father. And when he said kaddish as a merit for his father, the, his father was released um, from Gehenom. But there's another version of, of the midrash which says that Rabbi Akiva taught him how to read Kriyat Torah, how to read the Torah for the rabbim. And then, once his son was old enough, once the son was old enough, he taught him how to read and how to say Baruch Hashem HaMivorach L'Olam Ba'ed in front of the Kahal. And as soon as he said Baruch Hashem HaMivorach L'Olam Ba'ed, his father was released from Gehinom. So, that's the other version of the Midrash, and it's a, a source for the power of this, of this proclamation of the Shliach Sibor. Okay. So... The earliest Nusach of the Birchat Torah comes from Masechet Sofrim. It's very, very similar to what we have today. Our current version is Asher Bar Then we have Asher Natalana Torato Torat Emet. There's also some versions have Asher Natalanu Torat Emet. Little tiny variations here and there. There's a Vav here, a Vav missing there. Um, the Tour is actually interesting. I found this time, um, I didn't find this when we were studying Birchat Torah, but there's a Midrash in Dvarim. Uh, and we spoke about Birchat Torah for, for learning Torah in the morning, right? We say Birchat Torah every morning for learning. And 
there's a midrash, and we spoke about, uh, just once once more. We we spoke about how important it is to say brachat Torah every day, and we spoke about all the different three brachot. But this time, I found the midrash in Dvarim Rabbah, and the midrash says Perek Yud Aleph. It says that when Moshe Rabbeinu, before he taught Klal Yisrael Torah, he would say a bracha. So says the Midrash, Halacha, Adam Yisrael she'ala lekrot b'Torah, en mutar lo lekrot ad she'yivarech. Midrash says that a person who's about to learn Torah, it is not permitted for him to learn until he says a blessing. T'chila mevarech v'achar kore. Says the, the Midrash, Moshe b'sha'a she'zachal lekabel ha-Torah, t'chila berach v'achar kara. And before Moshe Rabbeinu taught Torah to Bnei Yisrael, he would also say a bracha, and then he would teach or learn Torah. What was the bracha Moshe Rabbeinu would say? It was a baruch atah Hashem elokeinu alchalam asher b'char b'Torah hazot v'kidishah v'ratzah be'oseah. Who chose this Torah and sanctified and desired with it those who do it be'oseah, those who fulfill it, fulfill its commands. So it's not clear why the Midrash tells us what the Nusach of Moshe Rabbeinu was, but the Midrash does go to emphasize that it says Be'oseha, not Be'lomdea, not Be'ameleha. Uh, it doesn't say those who learn it or those who toil in it. It says those who, who uh, fulfill it, meaning that observing the mitzvot <coughs> is of a higher importance than simply learning Torah. That's what the Midrash says. And it learns it from the, from the Nusach of Moshe Rabbeinu. But the Nusach that we have and that goes pretty, pretty, pretty far back, back to the, to the Nusach in Mesechet Sofrim. Okay, so there's a bracha before and there's a bracha after. Normally, when it comes to Bracha Torah, before we learn, we say one bracha, we say, we say whatever, the morning brachot, and the minhag is to say three brachot every morning, and that covers us for the entire day. But we don't say a bracha when we're finished learning. That's the halacha. However, by Kriyata Torah, there's a special halacha that we say a second bracha. So the Gemara Megillah Daf Chaf Aleph Mabet gives us a little bit of the history. And the Gemara over there says that technically, it used to be that the first ole would say the first bracha. The last ole, just like the Brachat Maftir, would say the last bracha. Eventually, says the Gemara, they changed it and they made every ole say the first and last bracha. Why is that? They said in, because of mishum haniknasim vehayotzim, because of those who who enter and those who leave the shul. Meaning, there were some people who would be forced to either they'd come late or they'd be forced to leave earlier. They'd have to go to the bathroom. So it seems that the Gemara was concerned that people wouldn't realize that there's a bracha at the beginning of the reading and a bracha at the end of the reading. Because some people would always leave after the first bracha, or always uh, people. Some people would always either come after this, the leave after the first bracha or come before the second one and not know that there's a first one or not know that there's a second one. Therefore, every ole had to say a bracha before and a bracha after. That's the takana which is mentioned in the Gemara Megillah Dafraf Aleph Amud Bet. Now, the Tosafot says that for this historical reason, the second bracha starts with Baruch. If you think about it, the second bracha is def- is a closing bracha. So by Baruch Shemar, we have Baruch Shemar Olam, we have Baruch Atah Hashem, and then Yishtabach doesn't start with Baruch Atah Hashem because it's what's called a bracha smucha lechaverta. It's a bracha which is adjacent or closing the, the bracha before it. So says Tosfot, why does the second bracha start Baruch Atah Hashem? Why doesn't it start with something else if it's a bracha smucha lechaverta? 
So Tosafot says that no, originally there was a first bracha, then there were three, four, five, six, seven olim. So it wasn't a bracha smuchalachaverta. Therefore, the it was very far apart. Therefore, the when the, it was originally instituted, it was also instituted to begin with Baruch Hashem because it wasn't close, it wasn't nearby to the original, to the first bracha, which was said at the beginning of the Torah laning, so to speak, of the Torah reading. Okay. Now, it does beg the question, though, why at all was it instituted? Why was a second bracha instituted at all? So if you look in the Torah, um, the Torah mentions a question regarding if a person comes late to shul and he says, a person is very late to shul and he, if a person is very late and he just said Berchat Torah and then they call him up to the Torah. So asks the Torah, his brother asked, is it possible to say Berchat Torah again? You just said Asher Bachabanu. So now they call you up to the Torah. You're going to say Asher Bachabanu again? So they asked their father, him and his brother, they asked their father the Rosh, and the Rosh said, no, for sure a person would repeat it because this bracha was only instituted for kavod ha-Torah, meaning that although you already made a bracha on the Torah in the morning, although you already said a bracha on learning when you woke up, a person has to say the bracha again for the honor of the Torah. So it's clear that the Rosh believes that these brachot that were instituted by Kriyat Torah were instituted simply as honorifics for Kriyat Torah, and they were they were written as um, as brachot to give glory and to make a ritual affair of reading the Torah. The Shibolei Aleket brings from the Tosfot, from the from Rebbeinu Yeshaya, who is known as the Tosafot read to most of the people in the yeshivas. And Rebbeinu Yeshaya has a has a discussion there as to why is it that why is it that for a for Limuda Torah we we don't uh, say a, a we don't say a closing bracha for Kriyat Torah. We do. So Rebbeinu Yeshaya says the reason we have a closing bracha by Kriyat Torah is because it's a gemar mitzvah because you did the mitzvah, you start a mitzvah you start the mitzvah the Rabbanan of Kriyat Torah right Bochat Hashem. Then when you finish the mitzvah, you say another bracha. Whenever there's a gemar mitzvah, you say another bracha. And the, a prime example of that would be Kriyat HaMegillah, right? We start Kriyat HaMegillah with one bracha, we end it with, a, with another bracha, because that's the gemar of the mitzvah. But regular Torah learning, when you wake up in the morning and you say a bracha to, to learn Torah, there's no kitzvah, there's no measurement, there's no... A single amount of learning that a person has to do every single day. A person can learn every minute of the day. And because there's no measure, there's no gemar. Since there's no gemar mitzvah, there, therefore there's no, uh, we don't repeat, we don't say bracha harona, so to speak, after we learn Torah. The Rashba also asks this question. And he says, why is it that, um, he makes the same point. He says, no, limud Torah does not have a gemar, therefore there's no um, the Rashba says, because there's no Gmar, therefore there is no Bracha um, Chrona for learning Torah. But says the Rashba, a different reason than Rabbi Yushaya. He says, why is it that there's a Bracha Chrona by Kriyat Torah? He says that the reason, he answers that the reason is because it's a Takana. And for every Takana, we say a Bracha at the end. And he gives and he gives the example of Kriyat Megillah or Halel. We say bracha at the beginning, we say bracha at the end because that's a takana, and that's what we have to do. We say bracha at the beginning and the end by every takana. It's interesting that the Rashba didn't answer like Rabbi Yeshaya. 
that there's a gemara mitzvah. Why are you telling me that? You, why do you need to come on to takana if you just already said that if it has a gemara mitzvah, that then it does have a bracha at the end? It's likely that the Rashba held that Kriyata Torah does not have a measurement because technically there are different minhagim. We know that in the time of the Yushalmi, they used to have a different cycle than the Bavliyim. So it's possible that the Rashba himself did not hold that there was a gemar for the mitzvah, or he did not hold that there was a kitzvah or a measurement, because technically you could add olim sometimes to, to Kriyata Torah, so perhaps the Rashba didn't feel that that was enough of a reason. Okay, but that's slightly tangential. Let's look a little bit at the girsav, the second bracha, because we've already discussed the Shabbat Chabanu in a different shiur. If anybody's interested in that bracha, you could go back earlier. We'll discuss a little bit the second bracha. It says, So the Sardi version is Torah. Torah Emet is effectively the same idea. Rabbi Shlomo Mirjameza comments that the reason the second bracha says Torah Emet is because we cannot testify that the Torah is true until we've read from it. So once we've read from the Torah, then we say Torah Emet and we're testifying that what we've just read is true. Further, it says, so the earliest girsaot, meaning that uh, that the um, that an eternal life you've implanted within us. The earliest versions of this all have it like that. They say olam or olam The tour says that he saw a version which was olam with a lamed. which makes much less sense if you read it out. It just grammatically doesn't work very well. That he gave us a Torah Temet, a, a truthful, uh, a true Torah for an eternal life, which he will then implant in us. So some Gersot said, and for an eternal life, he will implant in us. That also makes a little less sense because you would say, that would be the proper way of saying it. But most postgames don't like the lechaye olam. They say at the, at the least you should say vilechaye olam. Regardless, that's historical. Today, the halach, the all of the nuschaot say vichaye olam not tabedochenu. The Abuderham comments that the pasuk says etzchayin hi lemachazikim bach that the Torah is a tree of life to those who hold on to it. So he explains that you cannot say you cannot you cannot call the Torah. You can't say you can't say a brachav until you've already read from the Torah. Once you learn the Torah, then it's an etz chayim hi. Therefore, once we've already done kriyat Torah, we say chayei olam asher nata because we just read from it, we just learned from it. Therefore, it's an etz chayim l'machazikim ba for those who hold it. Another halacha he learns from that pasuk is that when a person says the bracha, he should be holding the Sefer Torah, because machazikim bach, that, we are, that, that which we, those people who grasp the Sefer, the Sefer Torah. The literal translation of machazikim bach is those who uphold it with strength, but he learns homiletically from the Pasuk that a person should hold the Sefer Torah while he says the bracha, and that's the minhag ashkenaz. They, you know, they say... Uh, uh, they and they hold the, the, the two beams and they, they lift it up a little bit to hold it. The Sfaradim today have a slightly different design for the Sefer Torah, so it would be a little bit impractical to pick up the Sefer Torah right before you made the Bracha, or the Gabai would probably uh, yell at you. Okay, so the Rokeach and the Torah both point out that in their versions of the, these Brachot, each one of them had 40 words, and this corresponds to the 40 days Moshe Rabbeinu 
uh, went up to the went up to Shemaim to receive the Torah. The Rokeach goes even further. He says that all the Pesukim that were chosen to be said when we take out the Torah have 40 letters. And the reason is the same because it's for the 40 days Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shemaim. Um, I'm not sure what the significance is of those 40 days where Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shemaim. Typically, the number 40 is um, is associated with a, gesta- which, with a gestation period, a pregnation period, basically when a Vlad gets uh, birthed, there's 40 days, we had 40 years in the wilderness, we have, uh, you know, 40 weeks, I think it's 40 weeks for, for, for a baby to, um, uh, to be birthed. It represents uh, development. 40 days represents a development which is required for people to be ready for something at the next stage in general. So that's the most I know about 40. They do not explain why, why else it's important that Moshe Rabbeinu spent 40 days in Shemayim. Now, the Mishabed Achs, if you look in every Sidor, every Sidor will have some beautiful uh, embellished version of a Mishabed Ach, a Mishabed Ach for this, a Mishabed Ach for that. Basically, a blessing for the Oleh, which at the Shul's discretion they could choose to or to not say. Um, these are really nice things, but it's important to remember that they're the Tafel, they're not the Ikar, the Ikar is the Mitzvah. Um, and the Mishaberach is just the Tafel. Some people get it mixed up on the holidays and on Shabbat. They think that the Mishaberach is the most important part. The important part, obviously, is uh, doing the mitzvah and reading the Torah as was the institution. Um, Mishaberachs can be very nice, but uh, you know they are not the they're not they're definitely not the the ikar. And the, the, there's so many different versions and nusraot and. Uh, all variations that it's really check your local sitter, see what they wrote, how they decided to write their mishabirachs. It's very nice. Uh, in general, though, in the weekday, uh, they're generally not said because of tirchadet zibura. People don't have the patience or time; they have to get to work. So, in general, mishabirachs are skipped um, uh, during weekday tefilot in most congregations. Now, if you look at the Ashkenaz sidur, the Ashkenaz sidur after piyata Torah has a section of, after the Kaddish, they say Kaddish, there's different minhagim, when you do glila, when you do hagba'a, why and when is a halachic discussion, but they will still, the Ashkenazim will do hagba'a Torah, they'll do vizot Torah shusam Moshe, then, while they're doing the glila, they say, and they say, one, two, three, four, yihiratzons. So, these Yiratzons actually come from the Sidur of Amram. They do not exist in the, um, as far as I could tell, I didn't see them in the Masechet Sofrim. The original sources say they're Rav Amram, the Sfaradim don't say them anymore, but interestingly, the Ashkenazim do. And there's earlier versions of it, if anyone's interested, they could open a, a Sidur of Rav Amram and you'll look at the earlier versions of these tefillot. Um, there are minor differences, minor embellishments in the newer versions, uh, the, the more recent versions of these tefillot. Furthermore, I always used I always used to wonder where the tefillah of Achenu Beit Yisrael, Achenu Kol Beit Yisrael, and the Tunim B'Sarav came from. That's also in the Seder of Amram, uh, although it's different. It's not the way they sing it in the song. It's uh, it's a little bit uh, you know, the earlier version of of Achenu Kol Beit Yisrael doesn't really uh, have the same ring to it, if you know what I mean. There's one, two, here in the Seder of Amram. There's one, two. Three, four Yihiratzons also, um, and these 
Let me just give me a second. And then they have Mishbarach Abraham Yisach Yaakov, who Yivarechet Kol Achenu Vachiotenu Bnei Yisrael Habayim Lebatekin Yisrael Totzviyatzlaka. And then Achenu Yisrael and his siyas on Hanetunim B'Tzara V'Shivya, etc. So, uh, give me a second here. So there's a theory as to why the, the Ashkenazim say this and the Sfaradim don't. So Ismar Elbogen, who's a secular researcher, he has a theory that originally the Sfaradim did say the Yiratzons. However, um, the, the, the Sfaradim in Hag was that they would say before putting away the Sefer Torah. So even if someone was being golel the Sefer Torah, even if somebody was rolling it up, everybody was busy. They were saying Asher, they were saying Uval Etzion. There was nothing, there was no break. But the Ashkenazim, they had the minhag of putting, of saying Ashrei after they would put this, the Sefer Torah back, back in the Yichal. Therefore, everybody was sitting around bored. If the Sefer Torah was being uh, neglal, if it was, uh, if somebody was being, gola, if someone was, uh, what's the word, tying up the Sefer Torah and, and furling it, rolling it up, then everybody's just standing around doing nothing. So therefore, the Hiratzons filled in the empty space and the empty time. And you find this today also in Ashkenaz Shuls, that during that empty time, while somebody's rolling up the Sefer Torah, they say the Hiratzons. So it's a good theory. There's probably some merit to it, although different menhagim varied. You know, some people put Yit, uh, Kaddish there. Some people would say Ashrei first. Some people would say Ashrei after. But at the end of the day, the menhag that survived was that the Ashkenazim say the Hiratzons and the Sfaradim uh, most Sfaradim, as far as I know, do not. Now, when we return the Sefer Torah, the universal minhag is to say the Pasuk, Yehallu Hashem Hashem ki neskav Right? We should praise Hashem, um, for His name alone is exalted. So this is a universal minhag. Um, it's, ex- it's extant in all the Sidurim, literally, as from Masech HaSofrim on down. Sidur uh, Avam if I'm not even, I think also in the Sidur of Sadiago, and it also says this, and it's interesting that this pasuk of all pasukim was chosen. So the Rokeach, not in his Sidur, but in the Sefer Rokeach, says that he has a discussion there. He had, he had, a, a, he had a conversation with his brother, Chizkiah, uh, that he records. And he says that he believes, the, the Rokeach himself believes, that the reason this pasuk was chosen was in order to show that there's no divinity to the Torah itself. Meaning, when we take out the Torah and when we put it back in, there's a sort of a, um, what's the word? There's the, the whole ritual affair of it makes it look like we're worshiping the Torah. Therefore, the pesukim which we chose were, Gadlu la Hashem iti or Lecha Hashem hagdula v'agvura. Or we would say, um, that Hashem alone is exalted. Whenever we would take out the, the Sefer Torah or we would carry the Torah from place to place, we would make sure that the Pesukim we were saying were about praising Hashem and Hashem alone because people might come to mistake the Sefer Torah as something worthy of worship and the Sefer Torah itself is not intrinsically divine. It doesn't have any Elohut, as he says, it has no godliness. Therefore, we do not worship the Sefer Torah. We treat it with kavod, but we do not worship it at all. So the Peskim that we say all have a, like, uh, what's the Ashkenaz version here? We have, uh, what's the version here? 
they say Gadula Shemitun Ramashimo Yachtav, Licha Shemagdula, Ramuma Shemalokenu, Beshtahula Domra Glav Kadoshu. Various versions are like this. The, the typical idea is, as anyone would suspect, to direct the Kavod and to, to direct the Tefillah towards Hashem alone. Okay, that's so much for Yehalulu. Lastly, there's this extra Pasuk Uvenu Yomar comes from Moshe Rabbeinu. Uh, this was when, when they would rest the Aron Kodesh in the camps after Vahibin Suaron Vayomar Moshe, after they would um, travel, when they would rest the camps, they would rest the Aron. Moshe would say, Shuva, uh, what's the actual language? Sorry. Shuva Hashem Revot Alfei Yisrael Kum Hashem Menuchatecha Tarav Aron Uzecha. The idea is that Moshe Rabbeinu was praying for Hashem to rest his Shechina with Kla Yisrael. So, so too, when we put the Sefer Torah back in the Teva, we're also praying that Hashem should rest his Shechina with us, just like Moshe Rabbeinu did when they returned the Aaron into the Kodesh HaKadashim. Now, the Ashkenazim have one more minhag, and with this we'll conclude, and that is to say, Perek Chavdalet in Tehilim, L'david Mizmar LaHashem HaAretzu Mula'a. And the reason for this comes from the Gemara on Shabbat. Not directly because of the Gemara, but was inspired by this. The Gemara on Shabbat, and I'll share my screen here. Uh, let's see if I can get this up. The Gemara on Shabbat of Lamid Amud Aleph has a story with Shlomo HaMelech. And the story is when Shlomo HaMelech built the Beit HaMikdash, he, when he was finished building the Beit HaMikdash, at least, Shlomo HaMelech tried to bring the Aron into the Kodesh HaGadashim. So what happened? Let's start with the beginning of the Gemara. Amar David Lefnei HaKadosh Baruch David HaMelech said, while David HaMelech was alive, Amar David Lefnei HaKadosh Baruch Hu, machol li al oto avon, Hashem, please forgive me for that sin, meaning the sin of, of Batsheva. Amar lo mecholach, I forgive you. Amar lo, David HaMelech said to Hashem, Asayimi ot b'chayai, give me a sign within my lifetime that I was forgiven. Amar lo b'chayecha eni modia, in your lifetime I won't give a sign. But... I will give a sign in the lifetime of your son Shlomo. Shlomo at Beit Hamikdash says the Gemara when Shlomo built the Beit Hamikdash, he tried to bring the Aron into the Kodesh Hakadoshim for the first time. The doors of the Heichal closed on him. They 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 sealed themselves shut not to allow the Aron in. Amar Shlomo asim Shlomo said twenty-four tefilot. Vilonena, he wasn't he wasn't uh, answered. Patach v'yamar. So he instead he said psugim, which his father wrote. Seusharim rashechem v'hinasu petchei olam v'yavol melech hakavod. He said the psugim from Perak Haftalid. He said uh, open seusharim rashechem. Lift up the the gates your heads v'hinasu petchei olam and open up the um, the the eternal doors v'yavol melech hakavod and allow the king of glory to enter. So the doors were the so to speak the doors or the angels in charge of the doors um, swung forth towards him to destroy him because they were upset at Shlomo for insinuating that it was Shlomo HaMelech who was the Melech HaKavod that Shlomo was calling himself the king of glory. So immediately Shlomo HaMelech continued with the next pasuk Mihuzem Melech HaKavod 
Amar lehu, Hashem izuz vigibar. So the people replied, Hashem izuz vigibar. Chazar v'amar. Okay, fine. So that, that saved him from the door, the wrath of the door is trying to, to crush him. Chazar v'amar sushirei meshechem besu pitchei olam. V'yavol melech ha-kavod. Mi huz melech ha-kavod. Hashem tzvakot hu melech ha-kavod selah. So he finished off the rest of Perek Haftalid. What happened? V'lona'ena. He wasn't answered his tefillah. Still, the, the doors or the, the malachim in charge of the doors did not allow the doors of the Chodesh HaGadashim to open for him. Kivan Sheamar, once he said the Pasuk later in Tilim of Hashem of sorry in Divrehayamim, Hashem Alokim, Al Tasheh Pinemishikha, Zochralakhaste David Avdecha. So he said, Hashem, please do not turn away from your anointed one. Remember the the loving kindness of David, your servant. Miyad Neena, immediately he was answered, and the doors opened. Botasha. And the Gemara says that at that moment all the enemies of David, like the, the families of Shaul, the families of Shim'i, all their faces turned as black as pots, Kishulei Kadera, because they realized that David HaMelech was indeed, was indeed a tzaddik and indeed a Navi Elohim, and they were all embarrassed that for the Zahut of Shlomo, no matter how many Pesukim and Tefilot Shlomo HaMelech would say, the Aron Kodesh was not allowed in the Kodesh HaKadashim, but the, or, the Aron was allowed when he hearkened the the merit of his father, David HaMelech, and that, that closed the matter once and for all in Klai Yisrael for the supporters of Shaul and the supporters of Shimi and all the enemies of David, that David HaMelech was in truth a righteous king. Okay? Um, so for that reason, many of the tefillot were inspired. Many of the tefillot said after we returned the... Um, the... Sefer Torah to the Aron... Similar, uh, are similarly inspired by this episode of the Gemara in Shabbat. Um, okay, so Bezat Hashem next week will continue with, I believe, in the, what are we up to? We're up to the Ashrei. We've already studied Ashrei, so we're going to do that very briefly. Next week, we're going to continue with the Ashrei Ubal Etzion and um, Shir Shayom, etc. So we'll thank everybody who could attend this week. Bezat Hashem next week, we'll have more people. And, um, Chazaka Baruch, we'll see you all next week. Band meeting for. Oh.